as you can't see on the cover of your bulletins, the theme for Advent this year is the questions of Advent. It is so easy to lapse right into the holiday season making these sweeping assumptions that of course Jesus came. Of course He came as a baby. Of course He came to set us free from our sins. But you know, these truths raise a lot of questions. They should raise a lot of questions. Church should be a place we come to ask good questions. This is not the place where we claim to have everything all figured out, where we can tie a nice bow on it and put it on a shelf. Rather, this is the place we come to wrestle with God. This is the place we come to ask the hard questions of life. But we ask them trusting in a God who has revealed Himself in the pages of the Bible. We ask a God who does have answers. And so we ask as a people with hope. And as I was reflecting on the various stories in the Bible, the accounts, the birth narratives, the stories surrounding the birth of Jesus in the Gospels, it struck me how many questions were on the lips of those very people. None of them had it figured out either. And so in some ways, this Advent, I'm inviting you into a place of questioning. In some ways, we as a church are entering into a place of questioning to identify with those, those people who lived all those years ago when these events actually took place in history. It blew their minds. Shame on us if we approach these things in such a way that it does not blow our minds. We should be asking questions at Advent. And so the first question of this Advent season, how can this be? The first question of Advent comes from the lips of a teenage girl who's just been told she's going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And her question is, how can this be? On the surface, this is just a practical question, almost a technicality. I'm going to be with child, you say. So how does that work exactly, seeing as, you know, never been with a man? It's refreshingly honest, considering she's just been told she's going to bring the long-awaited Messiah into the world. That's fine and all about Jesus, but how's that going to work? But the question has depth to it as well. How can this be is a question that invokes far more than mere mechanics. It's a question that calls God out on His very nature and character. For what the angel announces to Mary, it's flat out impossible. Ask anyone. Things like this don't happen. The only normal response to being confronted with the impossible is Mary's genuine and heartfelt question, how can this be? In this season of Advent, we need to be asking this question as well because the impossible Well, it's all around us. The world is broken. Darkness seems to be winning. We read of war and violence and death and tragedy, and it's not just out there in our news feeds. It's in our cities and towns. It's in our schools. It's in our neighborhoods. It's in our homes. And we don't gather here in this sanctuary to hide from any of it. We don't gather here to pretend that it doesn't exist. We gather here to confront it. We gather to confront the darkness with real hope. But that seems impossible sometimes. 
And that's exactly why Mary's question should matter to us. The question, when we look more deeply, might be rephrased this way. Can God do the impossible? That's the question on Mary's lips. That's the question on our hearts as we begin Advent together. Can God do the impossible? Can God restore my relationship with my mother? Can Jesus help me forgive myself for some of the choices that I've made? Can God walk with me through the season of grief and sorrow? Can He forgive me for ignoring Him completely? Can God heal our city? Can God heal our families? Can God fix this world? These things seem impossible. But God does the impossible. I mean, He came to earth as a baby. He lived a life revealing God's heart to us all. He died on a Roman cross, taking the penalty for our sin on Himself. And He rose again to offer us new life in His name. He ascended into heaven and He promised to return when He will finally take us home to be with Him face to face. And the Bible teaches that then there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for the old order of things will have passed away. Now doesn't that sound impossible? It's a good thing our God specializes in doing the impossible. Just ask Mary, a teenage peasant girl from Nazareth who asks, how can this be? This morning we invite you to engage your imagination and listen to a completely made-up story. This Advent, the question when explored more deeply brings us face to face with a God who does the impossible. And perhaps the question's intonation should change from the innocence of how can this be to the reverence and awe and wonder of how can this be. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her.
this is the word of the Lord. And that is not the made-up part. This is. Mary, stop eavesdropping and come in here. I found you a husband. Her father's voice was a sudden contrast to the hushed tones Mary had been straining to hear as she fetched more stew from downstairs in the house. He continued, get in here, Mary. We have much to discuss. Their simple home in Nazareth wasn't much more than an enclosed courtyard, a mud and stone wall surrounding an open cooking area with a couple small dark rooms leading off one side for sleeping and shelter. Meals were often served up on the roof where it was cooler than down near the cooking fire. Mary had been sent down to get more of that dense, mud-like lentil stew for her hungry father. But on her way back up the stairs along the outside of the house, she had picked up pieces of the rooftop conversation underway, and she had overheard that dreaded word, husband. It had frozen her in her tracks. Sheepishly, she climbed the last few stairs, offered the stew to her father. I wasn't eavesdropping, Abba, Mary defended herself, but... um. What was that you said? I found you a husband, he continued. How can this be, Mary lamented. Abba, how can this be? You should be grateful, daughter. I don't want to hear any of this nonsense like, I'm too young or I'm not ready yet. You're ready, you're old enough, it's time you were married. Mary's insides had run ice cold. Paralyzed by the announcement, she found herself almost dizzy as her thoughts swirled around in her head. She reached out for and steadied herself on her ancient and mostly senile grandmother who was sitting nearby. As if Mary's touch was permission to speak, her grandmother jumped at the chance. Oh, don't worry, sweetie, she began patting Mary's hand with tenderness, a gesture that was in contrast with the clouded and confused expression the aged woman perpetually wore on her wrinkled and weathered face. She continued into one of her rambling monologues that bore little connection to the current conversation or any awareness of social or contextual cues. No matter how bad you think you have it right now, your husband can't be as bad as your dear grandfather was. May his memory be a blessing. (laughs) She furrowed her brow, wrinkling her already wrinkled face to an impressive new depth as she worked to remember. Now that was a dull man, let me tell you. Not just uninteresting, but really not all that much there upstairs. If I'm telling the truth, the Lord be praised. He wasn't much to look at either. In fact, there wasn't much to commend him in any respect. I wonder how much my father got for a bride price from him. Who is it, Father? Mary blurted out, interrupting her grandmother's reverie with the question she was terrified to ask. Do I, do I know him? Do we know the family? It's Joseph, that builder from down in Bethlehem who was working with his father across the way in Sephora's last year. You remember his family stayed here in Nazareth for the season? Woo-wee, Mary's grandmother exclaimed. Hubba, hubba, now that's a good-looking fella. I wouldn't mind being betrothed to that son of an Israelite. Turning to her son, she informed him, if Mary doesn't want him, I can still clean up pretty good, sonny. See if he'll take me instead. (laughs) Mother, that's enough, Mary's father sighed, exasperated already with the old woman, something that didn't usually happen quite so early in the evening. Mary's heart, however, was cautiously rebounding from the initial shock and dread of her father's pronouncement. She'd seen this Joseph. He had been in the area doing work, and while her grandmother was pretty much crazy most of the time, she wasn't wrong. I mean, he was nice to look at, but but of far greater importance, Joseph was known as a kind man, as an honorable man. 
Mary's father cut off her inward musings. You should be grateful that his father was willing to consider this union. This is a good marriage for our family. Joseph is a man who loves the Lord. He's a hard worker. He's diligent and trustworthy. He comes from a good family. Did I mention that already? He comes from a great family. In fact, they can trace their lineage back to King David himself. He'll provide a good marriage for you. You can settle down, start a family, and have nothing unexpected ever happen to you. That's my one rule, Mary. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I have one rule for life and that's this. Love the Lord. Keep His commandments. Live a quiet life. Work hard. Raise a family. Mary rolls her eyes. That's not really one rule, Abba, because of, you know, math. Yes, it is, he snapped. It's one rule. And above all, keep your head down lest it get lopped off by a Roman sword. Joseph will provide a good, stable, predictable life. Stay away from anything that might draw undue attention to yourself. If you want to live long in the land the Lord has given us, I have this one rule. Stay away from anything unexpected. Chapter 2. Your father really said that. Stay away from anything unexpected. And then an angel shows up completely unexpectedly. Mary's best friend punched her in the arm as they walked along the path to the western edge of the town to get water for the day. Mary... Your father only gave you one rule. You're so disobedient. (laughs) It was early, a good time of day to make the short hike to the spring where they could fill their large water jugs before balancing them on their heads for the walk home. Mary used to do this walk with her grandmother back when she was still able. She loved the walk because she loved the woman. She had been regaled with stories and received wisdom unmatched time and again. These days, however, she made the walk most mornings with her cousin and best friend, Anna. So you told the angel you weren't allowed to talk to him because he was unexpected? You told him that your father has one rule and that your father says you're not allowed to talk to strangers. But Anna's tone was ill-timed and ill-warranted. The weight of the angel's visit was almost more than Mary could bear. You, You don't believe me, do you? Is that why you jest? Oh, Mary, Anna immediately changed her tone, recognizing her mistake. I've known you my whole life. I trust you with my life. Of course I believe you. You've never given me reason to doubt your word, ever. It's just so impossible, Mary finished the thought. Yeah. The two girls lapsed into silence as they arrived at the spring. They had left earlier than most of the others from the village, so they had the place to themselves for a few minutes yet. A stone perimeter had been built around the base of the spring, which was flowing out from a fissure in the rock. The result was a Almost a semicircular reservoir filled to the brim with cool, crisp water from under the hill. Mary sat down on the edge of that low stone perimeter wall and lowered her jug into the water. And the calm, smooth surface of the water reacted to the disturbance of the submerging vessel. Or, or maybe it was from the disturbance of Mary's own heart, sending ripples outward to the far edges of the cistern. Her friend broke the silence. But how can this be, Mary? Mary said, that's what I said to the angel. Barely acknowledging Mary's interjection, her friend took a seat alongside her, lowered her own jug into the water. No, really, how how is this even possible? I mean, think about your life, Mary. This is going to wreck everything. I mean, your nice, tidy life is over. And what's Joseph going to say? What's he going to do? I mean, this is a small town, Mary. Everyone's going to know. You can't hide something like this. And you're not getting married till next year. And how's this going to look? And this is impossible. How can this be? Mary agreed, I know. 
And why you? I mean, the God of the universe, ascending as Messiah, the Savior, the long-awaited Davidic king whose kingdom will never end. And, and what's he doing being born to a peasant girl in Nazareth? I mean, no offense, Mary, but we're kind of nobodies up here in the hill country. This is impossible. Mary, how can this be? I know, Mary answered again. Anna continued, I mean, isn't the Savior of the world kind of a big deal? Shouldn't he be born, you know, to like a, a priestly family, a family with influence, highly positioned in, in Jerusalem with connections to the temple, a family with wealth and honor and righteousness? Seriously, Mary, how can this be? We're just normal people. We're just everyday people. There's nothing special about us. We don't matter. Well, apparently we matter to God, Mary countered quietly. They allowed their jugs to finish filling and then rolled them out of the water onto the stone edge before crouching down and lifting them to their heads for the walk home. After a minute, Anna spoke. You remind me of her, Mary. Who? Mary inquired, confused. Your grandmother. She would say something like that. You know, we would say, why would God use us? How could God use us? It's just impossible. We don't matter. And then she would get that look in her face and say what you just said. We matter to God. She was always the one pointing us to the Lord, showing us how beautiful he is, even in the most unexpected ways. Normal, ordinary people like us matter to God. There's something really beautiful that that says about him. The two girls walked the rest of the way home and that silence that only exists between two people who know each other and trust each other so completely that words don't even need to be spoken. And their paths diverged as they made it back to town and each returned to their own home to start the day's work. Chapter 3. Mary! Mary, I need you! The day's work was finally done. Mary wanted nothing more than to climb up to the roof, to hide from the heat, to hide from the world, to think more about the angel's message and how her now completely upended life. As her foot touched the first step, her grandmother's voice called out from inside the house, Where is that girl? Always off hiding away, probably up on that rooftop again. Mary! With a sigh, Mary turned around and headed back inside, walking through the courtyard. She entered the sleeping area at the back of the house, nothing more really than a raised part of the floor that was covered in blankets where the family slept. No one else was there, just her grandmother. Everyone else must be putting the animals away around the back of the house. Sponge my forehead with some of that cool water you bring, young, young lady. This heat is killing me. Yes, grandmother. And while you're at it, rearrange the blankets here. I'm not very comfortable. Yes, grandmother. And I may not be long for this world, her grandmother muttered to herself, but that doesn't mean my remaining time should be spent enduring this kind of neglect. Mary rolled some blankets to provide a more comfortable position. Her grandmother sighed appreciatively, nodding at Mary with approval. Mary slipped out to get a shallow basin and some water and returned to sit on the edge of the sleeping area. And dipping a small cloth in the water began to gently cool her grandmother's forehead. Ah, that's so much better, her grandmother said. A few moments of silence passed. And then her grandmother said, Mary, humor an old woman and tell me what's going on in that heart of yours. Mary was caught off guard. Her grandmother's voice had changed. It was steady. It was sure. The, the cackling tone was completely absent. She looked up into her grandmother's eyes and found them not cloudy with confusion, but clear and bright and filled with compassion. 
grandmother? Mary asked hesitantly. I'm here, child, came the response. And with it, a twinkle in the old woman's eyes beneath that wrinkled brow. Tell me about the angel again, would you? And in those eyes, Mary saw... What was it that she saw there? Not a crotchety old woman, but the grandmother beneath. She saw safety. She saw deep wisdom. And she saw love. And so Mary told her the whole story all over again, as though she was telling it for the first time. And then I asked the angel, how can this be? But he just answered, nothing's impossible with God. And of course he's right, child. Her grandmother agreed. You remember the stories from the Torah about Abraham and Sarah. Sarah was well beyond childbearing years when the Lord sent an angel to tell them they would have a child. That angel had said the same thing, hadn't he? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Isn't that what Abraham and Sarah were told? Nothing is impossible with God. If he was just the God of the possible, well, he wouldn't be much of a God then, would he? You think what's happening to you is too much for the Lord? Well, of course not, Grandmother Mary replied. It's the Lord's doing. Of course it's not too much for Him. It's not Him I'm worried about. What if it's too much for me? What if I'm not ready for God to step into my life like this? What if I'm not ready for this calling God has placed on my life? What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not enough to fulfill what God is asking of me? Grandmother, how can this be? Her grandmother patted Mary on the arm, but this time it wasn't out of that distracted reverie, but genuine compassion. Sweet child, the Lord has invited you to be part of what he's doing in the world. Of course you're not enough. Of course you're not sufficient for the task. Of course you're not ready. We never are. This much I have learned in my long years on this earth. Of course we're not enough. He is enough. And that's enough. God doesn't just do the impossible. Then he walks with us through the impossible, something that seems even more impossible still. Her grandmother paused for a moment before continuing. So how did you answer the angel then, dear one? How did you answer the Lord when he announced the impossible to you? Well, Mary said, I told him that that I was the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled, I said. Beautiful child, her grandmother sat forward and took Mary into a gentle embrace. That's all the Lord is looking for. A heart that is willing to listen. A heart that's willing to follow. A heart that is willing to dare to follow God into the impossible. To let Him in and to let Him change your life. God is about to change the world, Mary. And He's invited you into life with Him. The Savior of the world is going to be born. You ask, how can this be? You already know the answer. The Lord is with us and nothing is impossible with God. That's how it can be. We trust the one who does the impossible. Leaning into her grandmother's embrace, resting in her grandmother's arms, Mary felt the old woman shiver. Mary pulled away and her grandmother's sparkling eyes had faded somewhat in their brilliance. The look of nervous confusion was returning and she could see her grandmother receding through the now clouding face. 
So you're going to marry Joseph, her grandmother offered awkwardly. That's, that's nice, dear. He's a looker, that one. You, you be sure to bring him by often so these old eyes can have something pretty to look at every once in a while, won't you? Mary leaned in and kissed her grandmother on the forehead with loving tenderness. Yes, grandmother. It was good to see you, grandmother. And tucking the old woman in under the blankets, Mary blew out the oil lamp and walked quietly out of the room and into the great adventure of life with God. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name.